Welcome back, Crack fans. As always, I'm your host, Dalton Thieneman. The Crack team definitely has been hurting this week from the U.S. Open hangover. Uh, what a two weeks in Flushing Meadows. A major shout-out to Sloane Stevens for winning her first slam title in a convincing fashion against fellow American Madison Keys. The women definitely gave us a lot to look forward to in terms of the future of American tennis and you know next-gen Americans coming on the scene there. So shout-out to Sloane. And then, of course, on the men's side, who thought Nadal would steamroll the competition like he did through the U.S. Open and destroying Kevin Anderson in the final? 2017 was just a crazy tennis season overall with Fed winning two slams, uh, you know, the Australian and, and the Wimbledon, and then Nadal, of course, coming back and winning the French and the U.S. Open. It'll be interesting to see if, if that spills over into 2018 with all the major injuries on the men's side. Then looking forward to Serena's epic comeback next season, too, because we all know she's going to come back as dominant as ever. This week, I think you're really going to enjoy the addition of the Cracked Pod as TCU head coach David Roditi joins us. Coach Roditi talks about his junior career growing up and playing in Mexico, his unprecedented collegiate career at TCU, and then rising to number 41 in the world in the professional ranks in singles. And then, of course, talks about transitioning from player to coach, be the head coach at TCU, and bringing back uh, TCU's tennis program to national prominence with back-to-back top five finishes and winning the 2015 Wilson ITA Coach of the Year and and much more. So definitely stay tuned there. Uh, Also wanted to remind you all one last time that we are doing the T-shirt giveaway still for the first 100 people to sign up for the newsletter uh, the weekly slice on the website. So we'll be promoting that on, on social media. So check that out on our Instagram, our Twitter, and go sign up at crackedrackets.com to be eligible to win one of those shirts. And uh, for now, enjoy my conversation with Coach David Roditi. Today on the Cracked Interviews, we have TCU head coach David Roditi. Coach Roditi, thanks for coming on. Really appreciate you taking the time. Uh, We'll get right into it here. Give us a little information as to how you originally got into the game of tennis. Yeah, I was five years old, so very young, and growing up in Guadalajara, Mexico, and my parents belonged to a tennis club, and in Mexico, the tennis clubs are more of a social club as well. Like you go there and you just kind of hang out all day. They're not just tennis courts. They have usually have other sports, soccer fields. And so uh, one day I just uh, grabbed my mom's racket and I went to a squash court. And my mom, I was trying to learn how to play tennis. So I would do what she was told to do. And, and I guess really liked it, loved it. And eventually worked my way to a tennis court and, and um, you know, kept playing tennis. I, I just loved it from, from day one. So, you know, through your experience there on the squash court and then ultimately the tennis court, um, when did you know that you had an elite level talent, that tennis was going to be, you know, not only a, a hobby 
but something that was going to take you, you know, far in life? Well, I'm not sure I knew that, but um, my uh, what I do remember is I remember getting a lot of attention from a young age, and I'm you know I'm five foot six, so you can imagine how small I was when I was five, <laughs> and, and I think people just kind of found it maybe sort of uh, funny or amusing to see this little guy I used to. You know the rackets were heavy back then. There were wooden wooden rackets, and so I would hit with both hands. And um, so I, I just remember getting a lot of encouragement and getting a lot of people would identify me quickly with being kind of a good tennis player, or or you know I don't believe in I don't believe in talent uh, personally. I don't I don't really use that word ever, but. People, you know, I, I would get, I would get that sort of that acceptance or encouragement or notoriety from from just random people. Everybody would be like, "Oh, you're so good." So I think that that sort of encouraged me to continue. And then my dad, my dad was a huge sports fan, just any sport, and he did a great job of of supporting me and 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 kept it fun and kept it, um, I don't know, important, I guess, for me. And, and I just kept playing. And then once I got into tournaments and had some success, um, that's where I would get my, I don't know, self-confidence or whatever you want to call it, uh, from, from having good results and being on the newspaper and getting some you know, notoriety publicly. So I would go to school and feel good about myself. So I think that's you know, now that I'm a coach and I think back and I get a little, my, my, I have a three-year-old and a one-year-old, I sort of go back and think about that whole process. Sure. From your experiences in Mexico and then in the U.S., is, is there a major difference in youth development for tennis players between the two countries and on the international level? Is there, I mean, are they similar? Or how is the process for, you know, say a, a 10 or 11-year-old who the country sees as, um, you know, having a lot of potential in Mexico and then in the U.S. Are, are those processes different or are they well, quite similar? I mean, there's, it, it's, it's pretty similar in the way that you, you know, you get into the tournament system and then you start competing at, you know, in your city, in your state, and then if you succeed, you go into nationals. So I would say up until about, 12, 14 years old is, is very similar in Mexico and it is in the U.S. There are some differences. It's, uh, there's hardly any public tennis courts in Mexico, so you got to kind of belong to a tennis club in order to, to play. So that's it's even more elite uh, from a social class or financial point than, than it is in the U.S., even though in the U.S. compared to other sports, still is very elite. Uh, so I would say that would be one difference. Once you get into 13, 14, then you, most players and most good players, they they leave Mexico if they want to continue to improve because it's just not, you don't get the competition, especially these days. You don't get the uh, the culture. The culture, the it's a very relaxed culture. So you, people leave and they come to the U.S. and you have a lot more competition, more a better structure in, in the U.S. But up to that 12, 13, 14, it's it's very similar. 
Sure. So um, fast forwarding a little bit, take us into your mind, uh, your approach at, at 17, 18. You're a top player in the world, really. And you are deciding between colleges and going pro, and you ultimately decided on playing at TCU. What was what was that process like, and how did you eventually decide to play tennis at TCU? Yeah, well, so at that point, I'm 17, 18. I'm, I'm, I finished number one in Southern California. But what happened to me was uh, when I moved to the U.S. for my freshman year in high school, being coached by a coach, uh, Robert Clausen. He was my legal guardian and learning to speak English and all that. He changed my whole game from two hands on both sides to one hand on both sides. So when I was 17, I was I was just still trying to just improve and get better. So that the, the whole point of going pro was never really entered my mind in any way. I was just going to go to college. And and even, even for the whole college process, since I was, I had changed my game at 15 years old. I and, and coaches started making the lists. Kind of the sophomore year in high school. I, by the time I was a senior, I was being recruited by the California schools. They, they had gotten to know me, Georgia Tech and TCU, and that's that's about it. So my choices was to go to a California school or or go to TCU or Georgia Tech, and I. I had heard great things about Coach Barton. Todd Barton, sort of a legendary here at TCU. They were ranked two in the nation at the time. Beautiful facility. I had a really good friend who's now my co, my colleague, coaching here, Devin Bowen. He was a, a sophomore at the time at, at TCU, and so between all those things, uh, I decided to come to TCU. And, you know, we'll eventually get to um, your transition as, you know, from a player and a professional uh, to the coaching arena. But uh, for now, you know, you had a decorated career as one of the best players ever in TCU history, uh, three-time All-American. And I think you still hold the combined school record for career victories. How was How was that experience at TCU? Was that something that you look back and it really was a building block for your professional career. And was it difficult not leaving, you know, to go pro after year one or two? Yeah. I mean, it was absolutely a critical part of my development, not just my game, but maturity wise and, and, and getting that confidence that you can really compete at the highest level. I, you know, for me, it was always looking to, for the next step, it was like little steps. Uh, you know, in the beginning was making the lineup and playing higher, and then see if I can win the conference in my spot, and and then became sort of moving to a national scene, and then see if we can win nationals, and then trying to win the NCAA, finish number one. So it was just little steps. So the whole the, the thought of not graduating, turning pro, was never never a thought. I I didn't realize that I actually had a chance, especially in doubles and singles. I knew it was going to be hard to get, you know, past maybe 200 in the world or 180 or something like that in singles. So, and at that point, you're still not making any money. So that, and we didn't have any money, so I didn't have really the the resources to to even give it a shot. But in doubles, 
I felt like I did have a chance, but I didn't realize that until I had a lot of uh, success in doubles my junior year in college. And it was that summer after my junior year that I played some professional events and was able to qualify and win a round at, in Washington, what it used to be called the Leg Mason. And that's not, it was not until then that I thought, you know what, maybe, maybe I do have a chance in doubles. Uh, but it was, um, college was by far the best, best time of my life. And, and my best friends are from my times in college. And I absolutely love them. That's probably why I'm, I'm back. Is that that experience that I had this year that, that, you know, that I'm, I'm right where I want to be today. Sure. And, and you've been, been at TCU now for five years. Uh, eight, eight. I'm going to start my eighth year now. Eighth year. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, so how was that adjustment initially uh, from, you know, playing at the highest level in the world and then going to the other side to coaching? Yeah. Um, you know, I, from what I hear and my friends and, and, and my coach, he said that they, they all had no doubt that I was going to be a coach. I was, they said that I would always be actually coaching while I was a player. So I always loved that part of, again, growing up 5'6 and trying to compete at the highest level. You you don't have a choice but to really learn the ins of the game and, um, you know, understanding everything about it. So my adjustment wasn't wasn't uh, very hard on the on the strategical side on the mental side it was more now the the, the mental side of of the players and understanding the players and, and and you know sort of turning off the, the player inside you and 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 doing everything for your players that's probably the biggest the biggest uh, transition from somebody who was playing uh, individually is a very individualistic sport and 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 then all of a sudden it's, it's not about you at all so that's that's the biggest transition and I was lucky that my coaching career was started as an assistant at University of Texas with a great mentor there with Michael Center and that was my first coaching job and so I had a great mentor and then I had a great place at University of Texas so um, you know from that point on I never looked back and just did everything I could to, to become the best coach that I could possibly be and that's a uh, ongoing process and continually, you know, trying to learn more and get better and, you know, trying to become an expert at, at it. Well, and that's a nice segue. You said, you know, you're continuing to, to try to become the best coach you can be. Um, actually, in 2015, you won the ITA Wilson National Coach of the Year. Talk us through that year, because um, I think you ultimately were the five seed in the NCAAs that year, but did you know that um, you were going to experience that kind of success going into that season. Yeah, you know that was that was sort of the turn point, the turning point for our program. Um, a personal goal was to come to TCU and 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 take, you know, get the program back to where I felt it should be, to the place where it was when when I was a player, where Coach Barton had it, which was, you know, top ten or so, top five. Competing for national championships—that was sort of the goal. And that year, 
that 2015 was the combination of having a great senior class, a core group that had been battling for three, four years, who lost a lot, lost a lot of, lost a lot of heartbreaking matches. We were, I felt like we were just a player or so short from being really good. And then to that, so so you have that senior class, and then we had a great recruiting class, where a guy like Cameron Nori, who is now, you know, he was the best college player last year. He he came in as a freshman with Guillermo Nunez and Trevor Johnson. So the combination of this incoming freshman class with a great leadership, great core group of a senior class, five guys, that's what turned the, the program around, and and we were able to to go from rank 50 in the NCAA tournament the year before to Final Four and being very close to to getting to the finals and have a shot at the title. Sure. So in terms of, you know, you said you had a great freshman class that year. You also had a strong, you know, senior contingent there as well, so they meshed well. Um, what are the attributes that you look for when recruiting players? Is it a personality type? Is it the work ethic? Um, what what are most important to you when when thinking about recruits? You know, that's that's always we're always thinking about that, right? It's it's um, each player is a little bit different. Each player can bring something different to the table. Uh, players have different strengths and weaknesses, but at the end of the day, I, you know, the, to me, the the perfect the perfect um, college player and and, and tennis playing really is number one loves to compete. Gotta love to compete. And there's that inner burning desire that you're gonna do whatever it takes to to win a match and get better. And I found that those players are the ones that that end up Overachieving for some, you know, in the eyes of some people, or they can overcome all their weaknesses just purely with competitiveness. So that would be number one. And then you look at, at things like athletic ability. You know, can they move? How good of an athlete and, and, and power and, and good te- technically sound that kind of stuff. But uh, it, the the competitiveness and the sort of the character of the player, who he is as a person. It's very important. That's that's number one there. Uh, competitive and, and being, you know, you're with this play. You're going to be with this player every day for four years. So who do you want to be surrounded by? What type, what type of people do you want to be surrounded by? So look a lot about who they are as a person. And I've, I've passed on some players or didn't recruit some players who I felt didn't have the character. They weren't the right type of person that we would want around our program. Sure. So so talk about the flip side as well. So when when you find a player that meets all of those criteria, um, what is your pitch for bringing in top guys to TCU? Is it um, a certain culture that you all like to cultivate? Um, is it, you know, your your past successes, your future successes? What what do you really hone in on on the recruiting pitch? Well, I feel our We've had a lot of success, and 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 we have shown that we can do a great job with players that want to continue 
playing after college, whether it's a year later or two. So helping them with that transition of being a top junior to being a professional player on the tour. Uh, And it's not just me. It's also my colleague, Devin Baldwin, who was on the tour for 13 years. He's his mind his mind is amazing. There's nobody like him in college tennis. And and if it, we believe that because of the type of school that we have with TCU not being too big and Devin Bowen combined with my past experience and, 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 and who we are as, as coaches and as people that we can we have shown that we can help with that that transition to becoming a pro. And um, so that's, that's our pitch is you want to become a pro? There it is. You know, Cameron Nori came in ranked in the 600s and a good junior, and now he's 180 ATP. Uh, three years later, he didn't finish here four years. He turned pro before, which is a great problem. That was a, that was a goal. The goal was for him to be ranked high enough where he couldn't possibly come back because he's just too good to pass it up and that's so we're very very proud of that and very proud of Cameron and that we were able to to deliver what what we promise and what a lot of college programs promise is to help with that transition. So now we have Alex Rybakov and we hope to to sort of show the same thing with Alex Rybakov and he's doing great. He won a professional event this summer and he's on his way to possibly doing what Cameron did. Because I know Cameron was was very vocal, you know, in his freshman year. I've seen a couple interviews and actually um, we're planning to interview Cameron the next week or so. Um, but um, I, his freshman year, he was very vocal about his ultimate goal being, you know, becoming a professional and turning pro. What were the uh, steps that you all took either on the conditioning side, the mental side, or, you know, the physical side overall to get him to that point? Well, it takes, it takes all of those, right? You've got to have them all. And for Cameron, really was the creating that mindset of what it really is to be a professional tennis player. And and that's where I, someone like Devin, who doesn't only tell you what's the type of mindset that you need to become a successful professional player, but but he's a a living example of what it is to to be a professional, uh, everything he does. So that was, I would say that was the biggest thing for Cameron, and there is parts of his game that needed to improve, and he did. There, you know, he got stronger, bigger. Great job with our fitness coach, with Todd Kensler. But at the end of the day, it was him learning what it, what it, what is it about you know, being a professional, and that's on a daily basis. It's not, it's not four days a week. It's not five days a week. It's making the right decisions. It's having the right mindset when you practice on a daily basis it's 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 not taking any days off of practice and and Cameron if you would have watched him practice his freshman year versus his junior year it was night and day I and mean, he literally went from having a lot to learn to being a great example for the rest of the team 
of what it what it's like to be a professional and uh, you know and then that's also an ongoing process for for him and so is that one of the biggest adjustments that that you you know you tell players as a junior senior in high school when you make this jump to the collegiate level there's a whole nother level of focus day in and day out it's not just when you're at you know, Kalamazoo, for instance, or weeks before, it's day in and day out. Is that the biggest adjustment that, that you pitch? Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. And and even the whole the whole experience of being a college athlete with with them being so so busy and spread so thin and, and Academics only getting harder, and the requirements in the gym getting tougher, and then the coaches what we expect from them on the tennis court. It's just a, it's it's a huge adjustment, and bigger for some than others. But that's why I believe that that college is such a great preparation for for the rest of your life, whether you go into tennis or whether you get a job. You're gonna learn a lot of life skills and making the right choices and and, and good decisions creating the right habits really at the end of the day it's, it's, it's the, the habits that you're creating while you're in college uh if you succeed in that process you will you will succeed in in, in life and whatever you do later on absolutely that definitely translates to all other areas for sure um so kind of switching gears a little bit i, I just got back from kalamazoo uh, talk us a little bit through your summer schedule because a lot of people think that as a collegiate coach, your season ends when NCAs end in the spring. Uh, but you know those who are inside know otherwise. Do you are you traveling for recruiting June until season starts in the fall? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I I've been on the road. I would say half the time of the summer I've been on the road recruiting. We, uh, you know, Cameron already turning pro earlier than than expected. Um, having some players that may not have fit our our program transfer, so um, yeah, we're we're recruiting recruiting all the time, and 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 that's probably compared to other programs, we're we're way behind in in, in how much time uh, we put into our recruiting. We we had a philosophy, we have a philosophy that. We're gonna let our our results through the through the recruiting, and and if our players, we figure that if our players are continually getting better and succeeding at the next level, that players w- will notice, and they'll they'll want to be that next guy. But uh, it doesn't. It's not that easy. You still gotta get out there and and you know and travel and and watch these players, and it's a you know, there's a lot to recruiting, I guess. It's, it's the whole courting and, you know, um, players players want to wanna feel like you you really want them. So, oh, yeah. they got to see you week after week. So, <laughs> this summer, you know, you end up following players around the world and supporting them and showing them how important, you know, they are and how much you want them on your program. And so, we're... we're Again, that's also a, a learning process and 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 trying to figure out what's a good balance because we don't want to spend all our time recruiting during the year and uh, sure. 
you know, a lot of times recruiting can take a lot of time out of out of that, and we're not willing to sacrifice our time with our players that we have on our team on a daily basis because we're chasing the next guy. And do you have, um, you know, you've talked about traveling with players to tournaments all around the world, and you've had success recruiting players on the international level. Are there certain regions or certain areas that you try to focus in on, or is it more, um, you know, kind of depending on the player and, and where um, where they're located and you finding them? Yeah, I mean, we, we've, had, we've had success with all sorts of players from different parts of the world. I would say me, my background and being Mexican, I had great success with, with Spanish-speaking uh, countries and players. Uh, we, I feel like we will always have um, one or two uh, Spanish-speaking players. Uh, California has become a... Devin and I both grew up in California, and, and TCU is very popular in, in the California area. It's, it's our second most popular state, so we have a lot of success there. And then you have the whole Florida state because of, of Rybakov and the USDA, and my ties with the USDA, and that's been a, a good place for us to recruit. I would say those are the main ones. Uh, but, you know, we're... All of a sudden, you get one Australian player, and he's got friends, and he knows the players in Australia, and next thing you know, you got two or three Australian players. So um, it varies. We we don't have a preference, but in the past, that's where we've had uh, success. Sure. And and we'll we'll wrap this up here. I know you got to get going. Uh, but the no last problem. question. The last question here. Um, what what should we expect from TCU this next year? Do you have any predictions or any uh, goals for the team this year? We, you know, our goal is to get better. Our goal is to be a better team in May than we were in January. But we did a great job of that the last, uh, you know, three, four, five years. Uh, that's goal number one, and really the only goal. We don't like to kind of set up a certain ranking. I do like the team that we have returned. We have uh, five returning players that are key players that, that, that are very good and we're still looking for players for for January so it's all going to a lot of it could depend on the recruiting as to how good can we be we're talking to some of the top top, top players in the, in the world and we're hoping that they decide that they want that next that next level like, like someone like Cameron Norrie did so um, yeah, you'll be hearing about us. Uh, how good? We'll see. You never know. You never know. Excellent. We should be in the hunt as well. Love it. And like you have ever since, you know, the last few years since, since you took over eight years ago, the, the program's gotten better and better. So, Coach Roditi, thank you so much for taking the time. We know you have a a, a rigorous schedule to say the least. So uh, it was awesome getting to know you, talking to you a bit. And well, I appreciate appreciate your support. Thank you for for making the call and. Uh, you wanted somebody with a lot of cracked rackets. I think you picked the right guy. I, I think I broke more rackets than anybody at TCU, but I guess you don't have to mention that. But I uh, appreciate <laughs> everything you do for the game. Excellent. <laughs> thank you so much, Coach. Uh, Take care. Thank you. Thank you. Take care. Bye. Struggle is not my fault, oh this I guess so this is my friend
Thanks again for listening to my chat with Coach Roditi. We were so excited and thrilled to have Coach Roditi on. He's considered, uh, you know, one of the top five best coaches in the country, and it was cool hearing his story coming from Mexico and his experience in the juniors there, and his rise and incredible career at TCU, and then moving into the professional ranks, and just that whole perspective on adjusting from player to coach was really cool, and and how he approaches the recruiting process on an international level. So that was that was awesome having Coach Roditi on. Thanks again for coming out, Coach. Also, we have a lot of intriguing interviews coming up the next few weeks on the horizon here. Uh, top five player in the country and Texas A&M star Arthur Rendernick. Uh, we've got Kalamazoo Silver Bowl winner Stefan Dostinich from California. Leighton Allen is a top ten player in the country in the 2020 class from Texas. And then we have John McNally from Ohio State coming on as well. So be, be sure to stay tuned to the Crack Pod. Uh, we definitely appreciate all your support throughout uh, this first month and a half. We couldn't be where we are today without your support and appreciation, especially on the social media side. We're just trying to you know, continue our mission to promote the, the sport of tennis and kind of give a unique insight as to the day-to-day grind of a tennis player and, and how tennis players achieve their goals on a day-to-day basis. So thank you so much for your support. If you haven't already, go subscribe to the podcast, follow us on Twitter and Instagram, and go like the Facebook page. And of course, go to www.crackedrackets.com. Also, don't forget to rate and review our podcast at iTunes because that means a lot moving forward and, and moving up those charts. So thank you so much, as always, Crack fans, and we will be sure to see you next week with Texas A&M star Arthur Rendernick. Thanks, Crack fans. See you then. The father didn't stop now, and not a prince of anything. Go they gonna kill anyone that feels so powerful. They chip at you, I read your skin up, everything is confusing. You will be good, but you will be more. You will be good, but you will be more. You will be good, but you will be more. Alone every day, it is a praise of pleasure.